1: Good morning. It's eight thirty on Tuesday, June twenty third. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a bill to improve distance learning is making its way through the legislature. Then
2: voters recognize that there's not room to really cut uh, that education budget without seriously hurting the students.
1: The latest state of the state survey examines voters' attitudes about government priorities and leadership during the pandemic. Plus, for the first time in three years, Mississippi dropped in the Kids Count Data Book rankings. We look at the reasons why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The coronavirus pandemic is highlighting the struggles rural and poor school districts are having. To provide quality distance learning. The Equity and Distance Learning Act passed by the Senate and now being considered in the House is designed to address those disparities. The legislation would provide every public school student in Mississippi with a laptop or tablet while improving, upgrading current technology and Wi-Fi access. House Democrat Gregory Holloway of Hazelhurst is on the House Education Committee. He tells our Desiree Frazier he hopes the Act can help bridge the gap between Mississippi rural districts and their more affluent counterparts.
4: When you look at these uh, rural uh, districts school districts uh, where um, the tax base is already low uh, and if if the act can provide uh, funding for new computers and all of those things, I think the only problem is that we'll have is will they be able to continue to provide uh, the technology necessary uh, to keep the um, low-performing districts or uh, poor rural districts uh, will be able to keep up with the more affluent uh, districts where uh, they will be able to provide those um, computers and to maintain the technology uh, to keep uh, distance learning uh, in an equitable way.
5: When, so think, go ahead. Oh, well, when a lawmakers returned, there was a hearing about Wi-Fi and the need, the, the dire need for rural areas to have access to, um, uh, the internet. Do you know how that Project is moving forward, or, or where we stand with that, because as you said, that's integral to being able to have effective distance learning.
4: Well, it's moving forward, uh, Desiree. The problem we're going to have is is that there is still uh, not enough money to go around to make sure that everybody, uh, you know, gets a fair shake at this. The problem is is that. The money will only go so far, uh and then you're still gonna have uh districts and and communities that's not served uh because the money run out and so I think you know it, it's one of those things where it's good but it's not good enough because everybody is not gonna be served. It's not gonna be uh equitable for every uh school district and every community. And I think uh, that's going to end up being the problem is that we're not going to have enough funding. This money is not enough to take care of all of those needs that we're talking about at this time.
5: Even with the CARES Act money, there's not enough?
4: The CARES Act money will not address those critical needs uh, all across the state. There is not enough money. I'm being told, and, you know, when we met, uh, we said that it would make a difference, but it won't make a total difference uh, across the state. So, yes, uh, it it will help. It will bring more uh, communities uh, online, but it's not enough to take care of the pressing needs that we have across the state of Mississippi
5: is there a way for the money to start from the bottom up, so to speak, so with the most struggling districts, they get first priority?
4: Well, you know, as, as everything else uh, goes, uh, it's, it's, it's the leadership's call on where the money would be spent. Uh, working with the uh, public service commissioners, uh, they would have to uh, make sure that the money is being put uh, exactly where it needs to be put. And if that's not the case, then that's not going to happen, what we're talking about. There will be no uh, equitable way of dealing with this if the money is not put where it should be.
5: This act calls for buying learning management system, which is software, basically, online tools, uh, providing every student with a laptop or a tablet, Purchasing uh, installation hardware so that uh, school districts can be connected and up upgrade their internet systems. Is there enough to do what's in this bill?
4: Well, again, uh, it, it can only the money will only go as far as it can go. I think uh, it's the uh, the, ban- the the demand will uh, outweigh. Uh, the supply. I think that there's not enough money to take care of or address all of the needs that we have in the state. The other problem is, is that technology uh, changes so rapidly. So then how do these districts keep up? I, I think it's good what we're trying to do. It's going to help the state a whole lot, but it's not going to address the total needs that we have. And I think the uh, the uh, less affluent districts, or those poor uh, districts, will will still end up uh, being underserved at the end of the day.
1: Representative Gregory Holloway is a Democrat from Hazelhurst. Coming up, the latest State of the State survey examines voters' attitudes about government priorities and leadership during the pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The latest Millsaps College Chisholm Strategies State of the State survey comes during a time of heightened public health concerns and economic anxiety. The coronavirus pandemic has set the legislative calendar back months, and a shortfall in revenue means lawmakers will have tough decisions to make when drafting the budget for the next fiscal year. Brandon Miller is the director of Voter Targeting for Chisholm Strategies. He says voters are keeping an eye how tax on how taxpayer money is being prioritized and a plurality of them want legislators to protect funding for education. Miller shares this and other and more results from the survey with our Michael Guidry.
2: The state legislature is going to have to make some really hard choices about uh, what gets cut and what doesn't. And so we asked voters, what do you think should, should be protected the most? And uh, more than a third said the number one priority was public education, K through 12 public education. Um and I think that just reflects that Mississippi voters know that our public schools are already cash strapped. They're, you know, they're already basically on the brink in a lot of cases, uh, dealing with older infrastructure, older buildings, you know, uh, too many students per classroom, teachers aren't paid enough. Well, they're already facing all those issues before this. And I think voters recognize, uh, that there's not room to really cut, uh, that the education budget, without seriously hurting Mississippi students.
3: Uh, one of the things that, that that the poll addressed was how Mississippians felt about the pace of reopening. What do Mississippians think about how the state has handled reopening its economy?
4: Yeah, so
2: you know, I, I folks are really split um, on the question. So I think thirty five percent in the poll said that uh they thought the state was moving too quickly to reopen, right? That, uh you know, I, I think there's a lot of evidence that we still have not hit peak number of cases and that, you know, this is, is a growing problem. Um, and so, uh, you know, a little more than a third of respondents said, uh, things are moving too quickly, we need to slow it down. Uh, but then there was, you know, a, a solid plurality, 38%, that said, Uh, They think things are moving at the right pace, and 18% who said things are moving too slowly. And I I think that that reflects, you know, folks who are are just uh, basically uh, tired and ready for things to get back to normal. And, you know, so I thought it was interesting, though, there was a clear demographic split in that um, where a majority of African-American respondents, 56% said they thought things were moving too quickly, whereas among white respondents, only 24% said they thought things were moving too quickly, and uh, 46% of white respondents said things were moving at the right pace, with 20% saying things were moving too slowly. We need to open back up, and so uh, I think that re- reflects uh, partially the, the political divide which we've seen, you know, over the past several months um, with the Republicans saying, you know, we need to get the economy back moving regardless of what the virus does. Um, but then I, I think it also reflects the fact that coronavirus has had a much larger impact on the African American population, both inside Mississippi and out. And so uh, I thought that was an interesting takeaway from this.
3: Governor Kate Reeves is in his is in his still in his, the first year of his first term. How do Mississippians feel about the job the governor's done and how does that compare to his earlier state of the state polling?
2: you know historically leading up to the 2019 general election um governor reeves as lieutenant governor uh was not particularly popular voters were pretty split on him but you know this poll showed that 52% of mississippians approve of the job he's done and only 28% disapprove and uh i i was really surprised by those numbers because he has had to deal with a whole lot in his first term in terms of uh you had You know issues with uh the prisons at the beginning of this year you had uh the coronavirus obviously you know i i think uh you know he also had that showdown with the the legislature very recently um so i i didn't expect his numbers to be quite that high but uh voters obviously think he's doing an okay job they give him you know pretty good mark and i you know i think that in a lot of ways he has uh been a steady hand at the wheel through all this, and that's reflected in the way voters uh, ha- have res- you know responded in this poll.
3: I like the shift from the the state executive to the national executive, and we're seeing some shifts in in polling within the state uh, regarding the general election. You know, we now we have a presumptive Democratic nominee facing the incumbent president. What does this current state of the state show? In regards to the general election, and how are these most current results? What trends, if any, do they show?
2: You know, first of all, I think you know we'll look back at 2016. uh, President Trump beat Hillary Clinton in Mississippi by a margin of you know 58 to 40. As of today, uh, you know, or when we conducted this poll, the his lead had shrunk to 50 to 41. So uh you know currently uh, you know as it stands in the race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Trump is getting fifty percent Biden 41 uh, with a small number of voters saying they're either voting for someone else or they're still undecided and so I, I think that reflects sort of what we're seeing nationally, which is a large shift uh, sport away from the president you know Mississippi is a fairly inelastic state politically so this I think what this poll suggests, even though it's still 50 to 41, I, I think this suggests that if the election were to happen today, you would probably see Joe Biden closer to the higher end of that market, the 44, 45 percent, with President Trump therefore being in the sort of the low to mid 50s. Um, and like I said, that just reflects uh, a larger national trend. I mean, I saw there was a Fox News poll today that showed uh, Joe Biden up on Donald Trump nationally by 12 points. Um, and so Mississippi is, you know, like I said, it's more inelastic than the rest of the country, but we still are slightly trending, um, away from Donald Trump towards Joe Biden. Uh, with that said, Donald Trump is still, you know, far and away the favorite twin Mississippi.
3: This poll covers a lot of things. It tries to get a sample on, um, uh, Mississippians attitudes towards a number of, of issues. Is there anything in the poll that struck you as either an outlier or interesting or something that maybe Mississippians might need to know about?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think one thing, you know, that we we thought it would be interesting to poll is uh, whether, you know, respondents thought that it would be safe for schools, you know, elementary, middle, and high schools to open back up in the fall. And 36% said they thought it would be safe. Uh, You know, 30% said that they thought it would be unsafe and 34% were unsure. And so I think what that reflects is just there is still so much uncertainty. And so, I, you know, I guess we'll see uh, what what happens there, what state leaders decide to do. Um, but as of right now, you know, folks in Mississippi are pretty split with a large chunk saying, you know, they don't know what, what the best uh, course of action is. So I thought that was interesting.
3: We've been speaking with Brandon Miller, Director of Voter Targeting for Chisholm Strategies. Thank you, Brandon. We appreciate the insight. All right.
1: Thank you. Coming up, for the first time in three years, Mississippi dropped in the Kids Count Data Book rankings. We look at the reasons why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. For the first time in three years, Mississippi's ranking in the annual Kids Count Data Book decreased, falling from 48th to 49th in 2020. The rank is according to new data released by the Annie E. Casey Foundation and Children's Foundation of Mississippi. The four domains used in the national rankings include health, education, economic well-being, and family and community. Linda Southward is the executive director of the Children's Foundation of Mississippi. She tells us despite its low ranking, Mississippi showed improvements in many of the study's indicators.
0: For, for many, many years, Mississippi ranked 50th. But the last three years, we've been uh, edging up, and we had been 48th, had maintained that, um, for the last two or three years. but this So this is the first time in about three years well, we have dropped in our ranking.
1: Let's start with some of the positives in each of these domains, if we can find some positives, starting with education.
0: Yes, there are positives. And so when you look at economic well-being, Mississippi has improved in each of those areas. Um, I mean not that I not that the statistics are where we want them to be uh by any stretch, but the fact that eight percent of children in Mississippi are impoverished compared to thirty three percent. the last ranking of children whose parents lack securing employment that improved from 39 percent to 33 percent.
1: Where are some other growth areas? I mean it it can't be great growth if we've gone from 48 to 49 or down from 50. I mean we're still trailing most of the country but where are some bright spots?
0: We are still uh, trailing most of the country but when you look in education When you look at the percentage of, and this is the way the the indicators are set by the NEKC Foundation, when it says, uh, notes that fourth graders are not proficient in reading, when you look from last a reporting period it was 78% and it's 68% now eighth graders not proficient in math from 85% to 76% and then high school students not graduating on time from 25 to 16%. So some of us the, the the importance of Mississippi investing in pre-K collaboratives, having more early childhood slots, Um, the fact that Mississippi a few years ago established its first Office of Early Childhood, all of those are important uh, bright spots that I think are beginning to let us know how children are succeeding. The Barksdale Reading Institute, there's been some public and private connections, particularly partnerships, particularly around the pre-K collaboratives, that have been very important and, and I think, very successful. So that's that's clearly a bright spot. Linda, what does
1: the family and community domain encompass?
0: It encompasses children who are in single-parent families, um, children and families where the um, head of household lacks a high school diploma, children who are living in high impoverished areas, and then teen birth rates. And while while overall uh, Mississippi is not doing. Uh, Well, at least it's better. It's slightly better in some of these, Uh, except for teen birth rate. That has really uh, improved dramatically from 2010 when it was uh, uh, 55 to uh, 28.
1: I was just going to add to that that certainly economic well-being would have a lot to do with children who are raised in single-parent families,
0: Oh, absolutely, because when you look at one of the indicators, children whose parents lack secure employment, when um, when only a third are in that category, uh, I mean, when a third are on that category, that's, that's really a really uh, steep hill for many families and children to climb out of.
1: In looking at this data book overall for Mississippi, What is the greatest priority, and how can it best be addressed?
0: I think the greatest priority is really increasing the economic well-being of our children and the families um, through which they live, continuing to increase Um, what we are doing in early child care, uh, having quality early uh, child care and education opportunities. One of the things particularly that COVID has brought out and certainly cuts across these domains is the importance of having comprehensive broadband infrastructure capacity. And it's not only for education. We certainly know that there's more Uh, use of telehealth, et cetera, uh, that are important. We do know that during COVID uh, that more than 40% of of Mississippi's respondents to another survey reported that they have delayed seeking medical care. And so that certainly begs the question for what uh, the importance of children who also need to be seen for
1: preventive care. Is there anything the legislators can do this session to affect Mississippi's rankings in this data book?
0: Well, these, uh, yes. I think certainly we mentioned earlier with the... um, Pre-K collaboratives, and and we know across state agencies that dollars are are tight. There's no question about that. But I think when you look at where anyone would want to invest and invest in places where there we know there's going to be a higher return on investment, there's no question um, that education is a very important piece of that. Linda
1: Southward is the director of the Children's Foundation of Mississippi. We've been talking about the Annie E. Casey Foundation's Kids Count 2020 data book. Is there somewhere people can see the data book, Linda? Yes,
0: they can go to the Annie E. Casey Foundation. AECF.org and go to the data centers. They can also go to the Children's Foundation of Mississippi. uh, uh, I think they're really wanting to steer us at this point to the Annie E. Casey Foundation. Um, That's where you can get the direct link and you can have more details about some of the indicators that we mentioned.
1: Linda, thank you so much for being with us.
0: Oh, thank you Karen. It's a pleasure uh, speaking with you.
1: The Kids Count Data Book 2020 does not reflect current conditions amidst the COVID-19 crisis. The Casey Foundation has plans to issue a special report in December focused on data from the pandemic. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.